When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. What you know? What is going on, Belly Up Sports fam? Mr. Shocker Cummings, Mr. Parker Ainsworth. Welcome to F is Sports, the podcast with two teachers' great sports' biggest issues. Happy Labor Day from your friendly teachers. We are recording on a Monday and during hours where we would normally have school, but we are not in school. We are relaxing. (laughs) How are you, Mr. Ainsworth? Uh, well, I'm relaxing, so that's good, I guess. Uh, <laughs> okay, how are you doing, Mr. Cummings? Mr. Ainsworth is recording from his childhood bedroom, and the sound in there is incredible. He should always go back to Austin <laughs> and record. Uh, I'm doing well. I just actually came back from my in-laws. Um, while I was coming back, I was actually watching game film because we have a game on Friday. So I'm breaking down the opposing team's offense, trying to get ready uh, to win a game on a Friday night. So we're going to try to play this high school football thing. We'll see how many games we're able to get in. Hopefully, we're able to get in an entire season, and we'll just go forward from there. But I told the players, do not take any of these Fridays for granted, because one thing we've learned in 2020 is that things can be taken away from you. So make sure that you are really appreciative. (laughs) We're going to do senior night this Friday, so it should be all good. So I'm looking forward to a Friday night football game. Mr. Ainsworth, you want to go ahead and jump into our gold stars and attentions? What gold stars do you have for us, sir? Uh, My first gold star goes to... uh Ms. Vandersloot of the Chicago Sky from last week. She set a franchise record with 18 assists in a single basketball game. That's crazy. She's making quite a push here for the MVP. I think most people think of Stewart or Tarasi or I guess Kim Beige, who's taking this year to stay in Australia. But they think of you know the big the big women when they think of MVPs. And Vandersloot's clearly indicating you can be a much smaller and impactful player. So if you've been missing out on the WNBA, playoffs start into this week, so you have plenty of time to jump on the train. It's a fun game. Yeah, no, absolutely. Asia Wilson, too. I mean, her season's been incredible with the Vegas Aces. They are really good. Like, Vegas really is really good. good. Really um, good. They, they beat Seattle, too, which is, like, that's a scary thing for the Storm. If I was going to – we'll do – you know what? I'm not going to give that take because we'll do a WNBA playoff preview. We'll probably go ahead and do it <laughs> next week. So I'm not going to tell you who I'm going to pick for MVP just yet. But let me just say this. As a former point guard, 18 assists is nuts. That's nuts. incredible. My first gold star is going to go to the Toronto Raptors. And I know that Jay Johnson is going to love this particular gold star because I was – ready to be first in line to grab the shovel to bury Toronto after they went down 0-2 versus the Celtics. And 
the Seas have that game three. They have it as with long as about with point eight seconds left. I think it already picked up the shovel, Shaka. I mean, <laughs> like, like Taco <laughs> Fall is guarding that inbound and the perfect inbound pass from Lowry to OG Ananobi. Ananobi hits that three, and now all of a sudden we got a series. This thing is two two, and now before it felt like okay, this is what. We expected Toronto to be without Kawhi. Now it feels like that whole Rudy Tomjanovich heart of a champion thing. And I'm not sure how this series is going to shake out. You know that I picked the Celtics to go to the finals. I'm not sure how this is going to shake out. It feels like Toronto has risen from the dead. So shout out to them. My second gold star will go to Deshaun Watson, who had a pretty cool week. Obviously, everyone knows and has talked a lot about his four-year extension, meaning he's a Houston Texan for at least the next six years, unless something crazy happens, right? Uh, it is Bill um, O'Brien, so something a lot crazy of money. could happen. <laughs> he's making a lot of money in the latter four years of that deal, too. But it's not just that he had a great contract. After getting that contract, he did, had a very cool open letter to the city of Houston about how much it meant to know that they wanted him as their guy for the long term, uh, which was nice and heartfelt. And in a similar vein, in connecting with Houston earlier this week, a CNN video went live, like a very newsy video about like evictions in Houston because of the economic side of the pandemic we're all in. And the video takes place in front of someone named Israel Rodriguez's home. And so Deshaun Watson just retweeted the video and said, this is crazy. Someone please help me find Israel Rodriguez and the elderly woman in this video. And by the end of the week, he's helped them at least continue to pay their rent checks for the remainder of the month. Um, and, you know, I don't know how long that relationship lasts. And he, I don't know if he can help everyone in Houston. But shout out to Deshaun Watson for helping out people in need. 40 mil a year. He can help quite a few people, though. So <laughs> <laughs> he can't. When it when that kicks in, it'll be up a lot more people out. That's no, true. absolutely. Um, my final gold star goes to college football because we had college football this weekend. I watched. Uh, Marshall played Eastern Kentucky. I watched that game. Marshall destroyed them. Uh, Eastern Kentucky is an FCS team. Marshall is obviously an FBS team and not just an FBS team, but they're probably one of the strongest teams in the group of five. Like Marshall has a ton returning. Their quarterback situation is what was in flux and their cue played out of his mind <laughs> on Saturday. So it feels like maybe they have that position solidified. I also watched Army against Middle Tennessee. And I'm watching this with my father-in-law, and my father-in-law is like, man, I can't believe Army's just beating Middle Tennessee like this. And I, I just I just looked over, and I was like, when that option gets going, like, no one's going to stop it. They almost beat Oklahoma, guys. Like, So when that option gets going, Army is obviously a very difficult out, and they had it going. Middle Tennessee looked like a team that was playing Army midseason versus a team that's playing Army for the first game of the season because you would figure with the option if it's the first game of the season you can prepare for that you got weeks to prepare they look like it was a middle of the season game where they've been playing a bunch of spread teams now all of a sudden you threw the option in there so the kids didn't know what to do they had no idea what the ball was <laughs> so army right. guys were running all over the place free so uh shout out to college football and there's going to be a game uh, this evening, we're taping on Monday, on Labor Day. We're going to get Navy versus BYU for the third time in college football history. So I'm also looking forward to that because I get to watch a little bit of that Navy option as well. So that should be a good time. Fun couple of very historic national and international fan bases, too, in that one day. So that's going to be fun. No, absolutely. Uh, Mr. Ainsworth, let's go ahead and jump into detentions. What detentions do you have for us, sir? So my first attention goes from earlier last week to Kirk Cousins. Um, Kirk Cousins got 
uh, you know, tied to a Rocky movie, I guess, for saying, if I die, I die in relation to the <laughs> coronavirus. And I, you know, he, he went on later in the quotes to talk about how he wears masks for the sake of others and this, that, and the other. And I guess he, you could argue, kind of self-corrected. But you're too big a public figure to take that stance. There are too many people following you and your career and what you say. People are just latching onto that, you know, like that... <sighs> That's not the right way to go about a very, very contagious disease in the middle of a pandemic. Saying, if I die, I die is not the right way to handle this. That's not the right way to use your platform or the things you've been afforded. I, I just If that's your your real you know stance on it, just keep it. Keep it at home. Keep it to yourself. Don't throw that out there, Kirk. And he's the quarterback in Minnesota. So now imagine the very awkward conversation when he runs into Carl Anthony Towns at a golf event or charity right. event where people have actually lost family members. Like people's family members have actually died from COVID. So when right. you make that statement and you can just kind of throw it out there flippantly, I mean, it feels incredibly insensitive. And the reality is, listen, if that is your take, like you said, you can have that take. Anyone's entitled to their take. Just understand that when you share it, you're going to receive criticism. So just be willing to accept that criticism. Bring the same energy to accepting the criticism as you brought to your idea that if you die, you die, right? My first attention is going to go to Stephen A. Smith. And I want folks to follow me here. Steve Nash gets the Brooklyn Nets job. I text Parker about it because Parker is the biggest Steve Nash guy I know. So I text him about it. We're going back and forth. And, you know, my question really was Steve Nash kind of felt like it came from out of nowhere. The next day, Stephen A. Smith is on first take and his expression about Steve Nash getting this gig, he expressed this idea of this being a perfect example of white privilege because Steve Nash doesn't have a real significant coaching background. Yet he gets the job with the Brooklyn Nets who have KD and Kyrie and who look like they could be a real contender. And he says, this would never happen for a black coach. So Stephen A is entitled to his perspective. If he believes that there's white privilege in this decision, he's entitled to that perspective. I'm not even necessarily digging that. I'm not even digging the nets for hiring Steve Nash. What I will dig at, though, is Stephen A's concept of this will never happen for a black coach. Because when I heard that, I immediately thought of two examples in modern history where it happened. Derek Fisher got the Knicks job. He retired from playing. And like a month later, he was the Knicks head coach. Jason Kidd, with the Nets, retired and then walked into the Nets job as the head coach. And then if we start going back in basketball history, Magic Johnson got the Lakers job years back. Like, I know that folks forget that because that felt like it was just kind of the end of a season. But he had never been on the coaching sideline. And they gave him that gig. And that's a very high-profile gig because it's the Lakers. And oh, by the way, Isaiah Thomas's first coaching job, he had no coaching experience. He walked into a coaching job with the Indiana Pacers, who, oh, by the way, was the first team that I remember kind of doing something like this for the long term when they hired Larry Bird. They just said, hey, Larry Bird, we know you never coached. You come coach the Pacers. So there have been examples of this in NBA history in recent memory. That's not going into ancient history. That's like Stephen A. Smith definitively should know these and remember these examples. So to me, it feels like a very charged comment to throw out there in this particular climate and it's not like Stephen A. Smith needs clicks he doesn't need to throw out the controversial take so that felt very I don't know felt very Skip Bayless to me if you know what I'm saying and it, the shame is I think if he'd gone to a much broader place about 
you know, there is a sharp discrepancy in coaching. The league is over 80% black. Black coaches make up less than 20% of the coaches, like head coaches across the league. Like there is a conversation to be had there as to why does this keep happening? But I just don't think that Steve Nash was necessarily the guy to do it with because of like you're saying, like that instance had happened before. The other thing about Steve Nash is interesting is he was very close to Steve Kerr and did some work, not as an official assistant coach, but more like a, you know, a consultant. Yeah, of his official with, title was consultant with the team. With the Warriors, right? And that was while Durant was there. He's also like this like level of wokeness that you know Kyrie would have felt like comfortable with, right? He wears recycled shoes and stuff like that. Like I think that there's some element of Kyrie and KD both had to sign off on this and they would both have checked off on this. And so like it, it just stinks because I think that the grander point Stephen A is making is that there's a problem here in the NBA coaching ranks we need to look at. This just wasn't necessarily the hire to look at, <laughs> right? I, I I don't know that that's... And that that's the real shame is that I think that there's a conversation to be had with the NBA, but because this one's so easy to shut down, it was a bad example and people aren't going to have that one anymore. I'd be like, how about, you know... Stephen A's wrong, and it kind of invalidates what he was trying to get at, you know? And the thing as well, Parker, is that there are incidences to pull on if you want to talk white privilege. Like, let's talk about why Dwayne Casey gets fired. Let's talk about why Alvin Gentry gets fired. Let's talk about your detention last week, why Nate McMillan got fired. But you could actually point to some of those and say, hey, what's going on here with the treatment of African-American coaches? Like, there's an opportunity, and I think that Stephen A. Smith missed it. So, Parker, talk to me. What's your next detention? My next detention is Scott Foster, an NBA referee, and the only NBA (laughs) (laughs) referee who i know by number just i'm not sure if it's he's actually as biased as people think it's it's scary how much back when the tim donahue stuff was happening how connected he and donahue were even though he did i guess escape all of that back when that happened but there's i should not know referees by name and number i should not see a ref jersey and know number 48 is scott foster that he shouldn't have that much of an impact on a basketball game and i shouldn't look at a basketball game scott foster's in and say as we record this on a monday after game two last night in houston houston has lost nine of the last 10 games they've had in the playoffs officiated by scott foster the one that they won was against chris paul in the thunder in game seven chris paul has lost eight in a row now i guess games where scott foster's refereed so like something had to give in that one <laughs> like I, I, the <laughs> fan bases should not have this direct tie to a single person it's just a little weird and i think there's part of this genuinely he doesn't like this idea that paul or harden will trick him right they're crafty and they trick referees a lot and we get to laugh at it on instagram later or whatever right and i think there's part of it that he's like well that's not going to happen to me and then it compromises the integrity of a lot of the rest of the game and I don't mean to sit here and say that Houston you know lost last night only because of Scott Foster that Houston lost in 2018 to the Warriors game seven only because of Scott Foster or anything like that it's just you are having too big an impact when I know your name and number as an official and I'm getting tired of it there's a big petition across across multiple NBA fan bases to get him out of the league and he continues to get playoff games like this guy needs to go speaking of officials who have too much of an impact on the game I'm going to throw a detention on Joe West who's a major league baseball umpire uh you may know him as Cowboy Joe West and the reason why they call him Cowboys because it's the wild it literally is like the wild west when Joe West is umpiring because he'll throw people out willy-nilly and so yesterday we're watching the Atlanta Braves playing against the Washington Nationals me and my father-in-law we're watching the game and all of a sudden the game pauses and it's like okay Joe West just ejected someone and we're like well who did Joe West eject we're trying to look at the field and there are no players leaving the field and the game is being stopped so finally it comes over the announce booth that Joe West has ejected someone who's not in the field of play now mind you this is covid there are no fans in the stands so it is like who is he ejecting is he ejecting someone out of the dugouts or what nope not anyone on the field to play not anyone in the dugout
dugouts. He ejected Nats GM Mike Rizzo. Now, originally, it was announced that he ejected Mike Rizzo because Mike Rizzo was in the owner's box not wearing a mask, which, don't get me wrong, as someone who believes people should wear masks in this time of COVID, that felt really inappropriate because Mike Rizzo's the only person in that suite, and he is definitively social distanced from everyone else. He's literally 500 feet away from the nearest baseball player. Like, he is far, far away. So that felt like a real overstep, and it's like, why are you looking up there during the game? Like, you should be managing the game and umpiring here. Then it comes out that he actually ejected Mike Rizzo because Rizzo was giving him crap from that owner's box, and he could hear him. And it's like, what kind of rabbit ears do you have when you're the first base umpire, and you can hear that dude giving you crap? Shouldn't you be focused on the game? What if there's a play at first base? What if there's a play on the foul line? Like, that's what you're focused on instead of being focused on what's going on on the field. And this is why I don't like Joe West, because this is what he does. He, <laughs> he, he thinks the game is about him, probably very much similarly in the vein of a guy like Scott Foster, right? These refs who think that people have paid money to come see them. It's like, newsflash. Nope, no one wants to see you. I would prefer not to know who you are. So, Joe West, sit in detention. You and Scott Foster, you guys can sit there together. I'm sure there's some NFL folks <laughs> who we could throw in there, too. My hockey friends, I don't know who you guys got. Let's just throw them all in. Like, I'm so sick of officials. Uh, now, let's move on to much happier talk because the NFL's coming back. And so, this episode is going to be NFL SATs. We're going to preview the NFL season. We're going to talk all things NFL. First game this Thursday. I'm excited, and I know the Mr. Ainsworth is excited, but the real question, Parker, are you ready to go, sir? <laughs> ready when you are, Shaka. Okay, Parker, so the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we we seem to have an affinity for our beards between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big beards in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So, I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So, maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But... You're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make balms, they even have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it'll <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're listening to our show, you can use... FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your balms, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. Okay, Mr. Ainsworth, it is time for the NFL SATs. So this is our preview, knowing that we got our first NFL football game coming up on Thursday. And I think that most folks are excited for the NFL to return. Obviously, we're cautious in the time of COVID, but we are excited to see some professional football. And of course, let's start with the big question. Mr. Ainsworth, blank is going to win the Super Bowl. A, Tampa. B, Kansas City. C, New Orleans, D, Baltimore, or E, somebody else? I'm sticking with B, Kansas City uh, for a repeat, as difficult as that is. Um, What are you thinking, Mr. Cummings? I am thinking Kansas City as well. I mean, they've got 10. So as long as they've got 10, they've got a chance, right? Patrick Mahomes is a beast. Um, If you were going to... 15. What did I say? No, he's 10, isn't he? 10. Oh, don't leave that in. You know you're going to leave that in. Uh, so, no, uh, 
What was I gonna say? Oh, Baltimore is darn good, right? Like Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. That feels like an offense that you know. Fo- it felt fluky that they lost. <laughs> like, yeah, it feels like they're poised to make a comeback. And the reality is, they lost to a team that was a better version of themselves on that day, right? Tennessee out Baltimore, Baltimore by running and keeping the ball and keeping that offense off the field. So it feels like Baltimore has a legitimate shot. You know that I like Tampa. You know that I like Tom Brady. Um, right. So I'm curious about, as to your thoughts about Kansas City. I'm also curious as to who you think is going to be in the Super Bowl. Well, Kansas City is, like I said, they got Pat Mahomes, bring back a lot of the same talent. They franchise Chris Jones. I just, I, I think they got it rolling. And I think the truth is, when you look at all rosters healthy, they don't have a whole lot of losses when they're, with Pat Mahomes in their two years with the whole roster healthy. Like, he hurt his ankle at one point and missed some games or, like, wasn't himself for some games and lost a couple last year. And the year before in the playoffs, you had an offsides penalty that kind of, you know, you could argue ruined the Super Bowl chance that year. But they just haven't lost a lot of games with him at quarterback. And so I think that that's a pretty simple, simple deal. And it, we've seen that they can go down by 21 points in the second quarter and it doesn't really matter. <laughs> like, I think that that's all important. They're stupid um, explosive. They might have the best wide receiver core in the league. And – Speed is so tough, right? So you got Cheetah. You can't coach it. I mean, yeah, Cheetah's – I don't it. even know what you do defensively. Like, you just have to – I mean, the thing is that you can't even bracket them really because if you try to bracket – the way that you want to bracket them is over under, so then they'll just run them on a crossing round. If he catches the crossing round in space, then you're done too. That is just a very difficult matchup. His speed is ridiculous. My, my question to you since we seem to agree about Kansas City is – when you look at that list, it's Tampa, Kansas City, New Orleans, Baltimore, or other. Who are you thinking of when you think of that other spot? If there's going to be a team that wins the Super Bowl that's not one of those four, it's going to be someone yeah. who kind of comes from out of nowhere. It's going to be someone who's going to have a year this year that we're not anticipating. So, like, you could throw a team like Tennessee out there because they were kind of a surprise darling last year, but I don't think it's going to be someone like that. I think it's going to be someone who we're really – not thinking about and now all of a sudden they're going to have a great year that we were not anticipating so if we're going to look at someone like that could it be that arizona takes a big step could it be that the rams come back after kind of falling last year falling off a little bit now they come back this year could it be the patriots could it be that bill belichick just proves that he's that good i mean it could be someone like that the Pats were kind of who I was thinking of, so it's funny that you end on them because that was, you know, I saw them as, obviously they have Belichick still, obviously they have some of the same pieces they had the last couple of years in the making Super Bowl type of runs or runs to the Super Bowl with Tom Brady. I think that they also are going to have that same element that Baltimore or Tennessee had last year where you can watch it on tape, but what they're doing with a Cam Newton at quarterback, assuming they build their offense around him at quarterback, is so different than what you're going to see on a week-to-week basis that you're going to have to make a lot of in-game adjustments because you you can't mimic it in practice, right? You can't mimic what Cam Newton is doing at quarterback with, you know, the the zone read, with the power read, with the tight ends flailing in the, uh, in the flat routes and in the seams and those kinds of things. Like, those kinds of things are tough to practice against at full speed, much like you talked about in the Gold Stars about option football and stuff like that. Like, it, it really is difficult to see, and I could see – Belichick and McDaniels and them that they're really having fun with it as well I, I guess um I just don't know if it's really going to work out we got to see Cam play a whole healthy season but I was I could see them making their way into that list no it's um it's funny because now Cam's been named the starter officially so we know it's going to be Cam's officially, team yeah he's he even got named a captain which is nuts I mean he's only been there for about a month and so for him to get that respect from the guys who are veterans in that locker room is amazing that being said 
What what will be interesting is teams, I assume, are going to look at what Carolina did and say, well, Belichick's going to try to do some version of that. Josh McDaniels is going to try to do some version of that. What if they just sit back there and let them fling the ball around and everyone's trying to stop option, and now all of a <laughs> yeah, sudden yeah, you got yeah. one-on-ones on the outside with Nikhil Harry, who was a first-round draft pick last year. So it could be interesting. I am curious as to what they will do. I will say there's two teams that we haven't mentioned that I don't think are teams that are going to necessarily come from out of nowhere that – there's some potential. One of them is going to feel like, oh, my God, you're crazy. But one of them's not. The first one is the not, Seattle. Seattle has right. Russell Wilson. Seattle has Pete Carroll. Seattle just picked up Jamal Adams on their defense. That defense is going to look different with that level of safety now being there with a secondary that was already pretty solid and a defensive uh, team that actually is pretty good. When you have Russell Wilson, you know you got a shot. It's like, you know, with Green Bay. When you got Aaron Rodgers, you know you got a shot. Same so, kind of thing, yeah. So um, Seattle is a team that it feels like not enough people are talking about, but I don't think that anyone would be surprised if Seattle, you know, let's say we get through a full season, things go well, and if I said to you, hey, Seattle's 13-3 and at the end of this thing, I don't think anyone would be stunned. You might not expect no. it, but if I said Seattle's going to go 13-3, people would be like, well, yeah, it's Seattle, so they're pretty darn good. Um, the other team that I think could come from out of kind of nowhere, they were a playoff team last year. And so Buffalo's evolution is based on Josh Allen. Now, right. what we know is New England is not going to be Tom Brady New England because there is no Tom Brady. So if Buffalo, and I'm not even saying that they have to overtake New England to win the division because the reality is all you got to do is get into the dance. If Buffalo can get into the dance, and if Buffalo really looks at the Baltimore model and says, hey, listen, we got a Q who can run a little bit. We're just going to let him manage the game from the passing standpoint. We have Stephon Diggs who's going to be the deep threat, so we know that you got to respect him. It's what option teams do, right? I mean, Georgia Tech would send a guy to the NFL every year as a wide receiver because they would run option. They just had one dude who you knew you had to cover, so you had to respect him. And maybe Buffalo tries to do something like that. And if they could, you know, scratch together 10 wins, get together, or get into the, the dance, they feel like a tough matchup for one week if you've never seen them before. And so they could be a team that could maybe make some noise in the postseason. Um, it feels like it might be tough for the Super Bowl because you get two weeks to prepare for them then. Um, but they feel like a team that maybe could make a bit of a run the truth is is that there's a timeline like not so alternate to reality where josh allen has a cam newton type trajectory not that he's the same type of athlete but he's a strong running quarterback which is at least the similar game plan status right um and as opposed to a fast running quarterback i should say um and so i think that it is interesting that that division with tom brady gone feels somewhat up for grabs um i just said i think the patriots get it back with cam newton but tom brady's not there anymore so someone's gonna have to win that division and again you don't have to win the division just got to get into the dance that's what tennessee showed us like the giants won a couple of super bowls just get in and then we'll figure it out from there Let's go to the next sports SAT, which is looking at Offensive Rookie of the Year. So I know what you're not going to say, but let's go ahead and ask the question. Uh, Blank is going to win the Offensive Rookie of the Year. A, Joe Burrow. B, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. C, Tua Tagovailoa. D, CeeDee Lamb. Or E, someone else. 
Who are you thinking? So I'm really, really torn between B, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, and D, C.D. Lamb, which is interesting, cause, and I'll talk about why that's interesting and why I'm probably wrong in a minute. Um, <laughs> Don't worry, I'll I, talk about why you're probably wrong, too. <laughs> I'm going to hedge, again, sticking with the same theme, I guess, with Clyde Edwards Hilaire at B, just because I think that offense is going to be explosive. He's going to be the beneficiary of that, right? And so... If they have the big passes to the Kelseys of the world and the Cheetahs of the world and those kind of things that get you inside the five or inside the 10, you spread everyone out and let him go up the middle that he gets touchdown, right? And so I think that he's going to end up having a really, really good statistical year. We've seen young running backs explode um, because that's kind of the prime of their career in a weird way. I thought similarly about C.D. Lamb. Because C.D. Lamb is going to be in an explosive, talented offense in Dallas. You know, I, I think that C.D. Lamb is a good receiver in a group of good receivers. And so he could have as good of stats as anyone. But you're going to kill me on because this award is typically, you know, quarterback heavy. And so how am I going to hand it to a non-quarterback? I mean, they have the ball every play. They have the ball every play. <laughs> so, yeah, of course I'm going to lean Joe Burrow because he's going to have A.J. Green back. They have an offensive-minded head coach. It feels like Joe Burrow is going to have every opportunity. I think that Tua has every opportunity as well if he gets on the field. The question with Tua is health. Are the Dolphins going to put him on the field? Are the Dolphins going to say, listen, we got Fitz magic. We could run Fitzy out there for the first half of the season. And the reality is it's probably in our best interest to not have that great a season, maybe end up with a top three to five draft pick. If it's the number one pick, we could always trade out because someone's going to come in for the queue. We already feel like we have ours. If it's not, then we could go ahead and get Panayi Sewell's, shore up the offensive line. So I just don't know what they're going to do with Tua. So for me, it feels like it's going to be Joe Burrow because he's going to have the ball in his hands. Now, here's what I will say, though, Parker. Like, you know, I want to give you credit because I know that you're not the biggest Joe Burrow guy. The, <laughs> the guys who you picked make a lot of sense, though, right? Clyde Edwards-Hilaire can catch the ball out of the backfield. So... Now you put him in Kansas City's offense, he's another weapon. It almost feels like he could be used very similarly to Alvin Kamara. What people lose track of is that New Orleans offense is just the West Coast offense. And people want to look at New Orleans and think that it's a more complex version of a spread offense. It's not. Their principles are West Coast-based. Their principles are pro-based, not college-based. Which means if you look at the way that Alvin Kamara gets used in an offense, it feels like Andy Reid's going to look at that and say, I got a dude now who can do that. And oh, by the way, he had a dude who could. That dude just got a trouble because he was kicking women and right. got caught on video on, so i'm not gonna sit here and say he shouldn't have gotten in trouble he needed to go no absolutely <laughs> like, no no listen listen do need to go now we got a new running new back guy. who yeah. can probably jump in and fill a very similar role so feels like a guy who can come in and get a thousand yards for you on the ground feels like a guy who can catch a few balls out of the backfield feels like a, a weapon and now you gotta respect that weapon and it's very tough when you got a deep threat which kansas city has multiple of you have an underneath threat which kansas city has with kelsey who's a human mismatch and now you got to deal with the guy out of the backfield too so it just feels tough I will say that C.D. Lamb, there's a lot of people who are just, they're, they're on to him, right? And I think it's more, again, he's going into a very effective offense where he doesn't have to be the number one receiver. They got that. Uh, he doesn't even have to be number one offensive threat because they're going to turn around and hand the ball off for that. And they got a quarterback who's fairly accurate, who knows how to move the ball. It feels like C.D. Lamb is like plug and play based on how incredible he was at Oklahoma. He definitely feels like a very versatile threat. I am curious if Dallas will use him in special teams. I could see if he did some explosive things in terms of punt or kick returns that that could help his case for rookie of the year as compared to a quarterback who's going to have the ball um, especially if that quarterback is effective 
because those explosive plays are the ones that stand out, right? Charles Woodson won a Heisman over Lately. Peyton Manning because he returned punts and kicks. So well, CD Lamb could be that good, too. Pretty good football player outside of that, but that certainly helped. Oh him. no, that's oh no, yeah, Woodson was pretty good. Yeah, they even put him on offense. Obviously, he was pretty good. But I'm, I'm just thinking that CD Lamb could have a similar season in terms of the offensive rookie of the years compared to a Joe Burrow or to a Tagovailoa. So that could make some sense. Is there even an other? Like who's an who's an other? I don't know. So that's what's gonna. You're much more clued into the college football scene, and so you know a lot more of these names as they come into their rookie year uh, than I do. I was going to ask, you know, what other names do you think of when you think of rookies that are about to b- break out or maybe that we haven't necessarily thought of? I mean, there's a bunch of receivers who came in that could make some sense because receivers, I mean, dependent upon the offense that you go into because some of these offenses do look down at college in terms of how they want to run routes. And so receivers coming in, who are coming from, you know, um, college offense could come in and potentially be explosive. And this was a big receiver class. So if you look at the guys who came out of Alabama, right, like that could make some sense. Can I tell you, I would love for it. (laughs) Miami traded this weekend for Lynn Bowden Jr. And I don't know how they're going to use Lynn Bowden. I just know that he's an offensive weapon. And at Kentucky, he was an offensive weapon when he played receiver. He was an offensive weapon when he he returned kicks. He was an offensive weapon when they put him at quarterback. I have no idea what Miami's going to do with him. I don't know if they want him to play running back. I don't know if they want him to play quarterback, although I highly doubt that. I don't know if they want to put him at receiver. But a dude like that who's like a Swiss Army knife feels like someone who can come from out of nowhere and all of a sudden have an explosive year. But yeah, it feels like because of where offense trends in the NFL feels like it might be a receiver type. Well, they, that's certainly the easiest carryover position. I'm seeing some stuff on, you know, Vegas odds about Jonathan Taylor, another running back, and he'll be sharing yeah, the back absolutely. with Marlon Mack. And I, I guess my thought there is that, you know, sharing the back with Marlon Mack could be a gift and a curse. It could be, A, taking a load off of your workload so you're more healthy and able to put more out when it's your turn to go. But also, it's like you're saying, Joe Burrow is going to touch the ball every play. So how are you going to give it to a guy that didn't play every snap at running back? So I don't know. Um, what do you know about DeAndre? Swift. I mean, he's a, I would imagine he's coming to the NFL to be a change of pace kind of back because of his quickness. Georgia had a bunch of running backs last year right. and he's not, he's not the big inside runner back. He was more of the, Hey, let's run some sweep stuff to the outside. Let's run some misdirection. I think he's a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield as well. Uh, again, the thing that comes with running backs is you want it. You want to be the bell cow. If you think you're going to win the rookie of the year, he's not going to go and be the bell cow. And so, right. I, I mean, if Jonathan, Taylor, for instance, replaces Marlon Mack, which is abundantly possible because Taylor has that level of talent, then he's got a shot. If DeAndre Swift is the dude, then he's got that kind of shot. I just don't know that he's going to be. They just got, in, in Detroit, they just got Adrian Peterson too, right? So it's like, huh, Which doesn't does that, that say mean? something, right? Doesn't that say yeah, something? So, but the funny thing is, as you look at Vegas odds, Swift and Taylor are both very high, which is just interesting to me because I, I, again, if I'm thinking running back, I'm thinking crazy explosive. And I, that's why I put Edward Solaire in the list because I think he has the potential just because he's playing with the most explosive offense in the league or someone who gets 30 carries a game. Like, I, I don't know how you, you would get it otherwise. But it'll be interesting year for rookie there too. Obviously, you know, I was never going to pick Joe Burrow. We can do a different pod about why that's right or wrong later. But it was an interesting rookie class for sure. We will definitely do the pod if you're wrong. Just know that. You know we're doing the Joe Burrow pod if he wins it. Let's talk MVP. So, Blank is going to win the MVP. A, Patrick Mahomes. B, Lamar Jackson. C, Deshaun Watson. D, Danger Russell Wilson. Or E, somebody else. Who are you thinking? I think it's a Russell Wilson type of year. I also would hedge and go other, and I'll talk in a second about that. What do you think? I'm actually thinking 
It's going to be Mahomes or Lamar. My thought being that both of those teams are going to be really good, number one. They both feel like they have something to prove. Lamar, because of playoff, I mean, he just, listen, he's wet the bed in two playoff games. So he's going to feel like he's got to come out and really show the world that he can really play. Like, he's legit. And part of it is going to be to go to a different sport. It feels like it might be a Giannis Antetokounmpo situation or a Barry Bond situation where those guys are putting up great numbers in the regular season. It's like, we don't even care about that anymore. Now we got to see what you do in the playoffs. So it could be like that with Lamar. Mahomes feels like he's got something to prove as well. Now, you guys might think I'm crazy because he's won an MVP. He has a Super Bowl ring. But follow me here. He did not win the MVP last year. And... He just got the largest contract in in America, North American professional sports. So he's got to prove something in terms of those two pieces. Like, don't get me wrong. He's going to love the ring. He's got the Super Bowl MVP. He's got the regular season MVP already. And he's still a young guy. You know, my thought with young guys is in their first few years, they want to show you just how great they are. And then once they establish the greatness, then they tend to be a little more concerned about team success. Now, football is a little different, especially at the quarterback position, because quarterback feels like you're an extension of the coach. So you feel like you're always kind of uh, measured by that team success. Um, and Mahomes kind of already has that. So now it's about reminding folks, you know, I could throw for 5,000 yards, guys. Like, you know, I could throw for 40 touchdowns, right? Those are the two guys who I'm thinking... And I'm kind of leaning Mahomes. Yeah, and I, I guess my deal on Mahomes, I just see there being some initial early in the season, you know, Super Bowl hangover and then carrying that over into, you know, he can still win the Super Bowl this year by just being kind of half asleep the first couple of weeks, gets to playoffs and does fine. But um, my my Russ Wilson thing, I think, is that if Seattle's going to have a big year, their offense is going to come down to him being an MVP level player. Whether or not he wins it, right? Their offense is going to require him playing at an MVP level this season to in the in a very tough division. You know, the defense will be the defense, and Pete Carroll's always got a strong defense, da, 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 right? For them to be any good, it's going to require him playing at MVP level. I wonder if he can survive a full season, when I say other earlier, is it another Drew Brees here? Drew Brees seems to really want to end his career on a high note, and I don't know if he can do it, but he's certainly got the weapons and talent around him in New Orleans. He missed five or six weeks with that thumb injury last year, right? But um, if he can keep himself healthy together for and together for a season, and they win that division, they beat out tom brady for the division those kind of things like is doesn't that make him as likely as anyone else let's go ahead and talk about that other guy who you mentioned too because if what we're saying is you got a veteran quarterback who has some weapons who has ample opportunity to have a certain level of success (laughs) okay who does that sound like right no you're right nobody talk about tom brady like nobody talk about tb12 right nobody's (laughs) gonna and then the next thing you know he's gonna be at you know 2500 yards after like eight games or something like that and then then we have to talk about him uh what i will say with both of those guys is that their success feels like it's going to be reliant on receivers who if there's going to be an mvp conversation feels like it might go to those receivers over those cues just because the quarterbacks are a little older quarterbacks who have won the mvp before so maybe there's a little fatigue with Bray, with Breeze and Brady. So Michael Thomas, is he an MVP candidate? I would say that any of those top level of receivers could be a candidate. What if DeAndre Hopkins goes over and just lights it up in Arizona? right? I mean, that feels like someone who has a shot. What if Julio Jones just comes back and decides to remind people that he's one of the best receivers in the league? What if, what if? What if Odell actually figures this thing out in Cleveland? So there's there's some of those guys who feel like they could be others as well. 
just because they're going to have these explosive moments. They're going to have these highlight moments. They're going to be on Sports Center. We're going to want to talk to them after the games. There's a lot of receiver guys out there who look like they could as well. There's also a couple of running backs. Like, I don't want to forget Zeke Elliott. I, so that was going to be my, when you say non-quarterbacks, I was going to ask about non-quarterbacks. And my mind went to a bunch of running backs. Zeke Elliott or Christian McCaffrey or Derrick Henry. Those were the guys that I was thinking of. Let me say this. The NFC East feels like it's Dallas's division. If it's not Dallas's division, it's going to be because some team comes from out of nowhere, essentially. Carson Wentz with Philadelphia feels like if Dallas isn't going to win the division, it's going to be because he is healthy, number one, and elevates his game. The Giants and Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley doesn't get the respect for being one of the best running backs in the league because his team is bad. But the team isn't bad because he's bad. He's incredible. Right. The team just has to do some things around him. And if Danny Dimes can take you know, just a little bit of a step up where they have to respect that passing game a little bit more, maybe all of a sudden Saquon's in that conversation too. You're right. Like If it's not a cue, running backs obviously can have a disproportionate impact on the game because they get 25, 30 carries. They control the pace. All of a sudden, you got 30 carries. You got 140 yards. I mean, you're killing people. And, of course, now with these modern offenses, they catch the ball out of backfield. So it's not unusual for, you know, a Christian McCaffrey to have 19 carries for 110 yards and then have seven receptions for 140 yards, three total touchdowns, and then he's on my fantasy team and I'm smiling. Like, that's not unusual. That actually happened two years ago, so that's really not unusual. Um, So, yeah, obviously these guys can have a disproportionate impact as well. You know, we're both football coaches and can sit here and talk about the way that a Michael Thomas or DeAndre Hopkins adjust the way the team covers you and how that really helps so many more things out. The deal is running backs it's so statistical it's like oh but you can see the carries whereas there are times that michael thomas or deandre hopkins have impact on the game with nine catches because it, it opens so many other things up because they had to double team them or shift safeties and linebackers out or the, you know those kinds of things and so with it being so easily statistically analyzed i would think that a running back would have a bigger say in that no you're right michael thomas could have a game where he has five catches for 70 yards no touchdowns and people will look at it like he didn't do anything and the reality is he drew the whole coverage so drew Brees is still Everything. gonna throw for 400 yards because you had to bracket michael thomas and so now the whole other half of the field is wide open which is why Kamara caught seven balls which is why you can put a quarterback at tight end and all of a sudden he's Taysom Hill's catching passes right absolutely that's true blank is the toughest division in football a the NFC South b the NFC West c the AFC North d the AFC South now you uh when you sent this to me you put the teams out there as well so like the South we're looking at Tampa, New Orleans, Carolina. You look at the West. It's San Francisco. It's Seattle. It's the Rams. You look at the AFC North. It's Baltimore. It's Cleveland. It's always Pittsburgh. It is always Pittsburgh. Right. AFC South, you got Tennessee. You got Houston. You got the Colts. So lots of good teams in those divisions. What are you thinking? So when I put those together, I have been back and forth between between those two NFC divisions this whole time. Um, I think I hedge with the NFC West, knowing that I just said could two dark horse MVP candidates be in the NFC South. I think I hedge with the NFC West um, as the toughest. Although I, you know, in looking at this, when I was coming up with questions, the Philip Rivers being an Indy kind of changes the AFC South in a weird way too, because we talked about Tennessee in the playoffs last year, and our Gold Stars we talked about Deshaun Watson getting a big contract, um, and how Houston, you know, is basically putting all their chips in that basket. Philip Rivers, for whatever reason, is always in close games, and so eventually he's going to win some of those, right? Like at some point. No, no. Why do you say that? He's, <laughs> no, 
No, I'm not even kidding. Why do you say that? He's never won them, right? Like, when, no, when I know, is... but like at, at some point, a new coach, new change of scenery, something's going to be different. You, it just could be, right? And so I guess I I still hedge on the NFC West, but I got to say, Philip Rivers being in that division did change it for me. Philip um, Rivers where... is 137 years old. I'm sorry, he ain't winning close so games is, now. So is Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, but Tom no Brady was age. in the Tom Brady was in the playoffs last year and won the Super Bowl the year before. Philip Rivers has actually never been clutch. So let me. Okay, we're going on a little bit of a rant here because <laughs> I am a New York Giants fan. I watch Eli Manning, and Eli Manning gets all this crap. And they say, well, all he did was win two Super Bowls, and it's like, dude, he won two Super Bowls. When you say all he did was win two Super Bowls, that's like saying. All that uh, Bill Clinton did was get elected to president twice. That's a lot. <laughs> okay? He actually did significant things. And so, so when you want to look at Philip Rivers, you want to compare him to the other quarterbacks in his draft class who are Eli Manning and Ben Roethlisberger. If you want to tell me that Ben Roethlisberger is an all-time great quarterback, you want to say that he's better than Eli Manning, okay, we can have that conversation. Philip Rivers, to me, is one of the most overrated quarterbacks. He puts up statistics on teams that underperform. And I remember him missing playoff games when his teammates are looking at him like, what are you doing, Philip? We, we need you to play, so and now he's not playing. So my, my question then becomes, because you very clearly would not say, think that that moves the AFC South into one of these four. Is there a division that is not listed in those four that you would think, or is it someone else in that set of four? No, it's that set of four. I mean, look at the Super Bowls. There's one division that had Super Bowl participants in the, each of the last couple of years and has a Super Bowl champion in there, and that's the NFC West, right? So it feels like San Francisco, I don't know what they're going to be, but they ain't going to be a huge drop off. The real the real deal there is that the Super Bowl loser tends to have some sort of a drop off, yeah. right? But the Rams two years ago felt like the darlings, and okay, now they've, they're removed from this Super Bowl hangover. Now they feel like they got something to prove, and they're kind of retooling some things a little bit. So now it feels like maybe the mad genius head coach that they have, maybe they got some things that might they might seem like they come from out of nowhere. And Seattle's always there. Seattle's always there because they got Russell Wilson, and they've got Pete Carroll. So they, that feels like a division that that's the toughest division. The other divisions are all contingent upon things that we're just not sure about. When you look at the NFC South, which to me feels like the second toughest division, like it's contingent on Drew Brees and Tom Brady still being the dudes who they have been and really doing it in an unprecedented fashion. No one's been this good this late in their career like these two guys have been. So really, the statistics say they're going to fall off. We just haven't seen it yet. So the question is, when do they start falling off? Carolina, to me, feels like we don't know what that's going to be. Um, I want to give Matt Rule, their head coach, the benefit of the doubt because he always builds. And so I'm assuming that he's going to be able to do that in the NFL. I just don't know he's going to be able to do it this first year out of the shoot because traditionally he hasn't. Traditionally, he's taken him a year or two. So they got a great weapon in McCaffrey. But what's that defense going to be without Luke Keekley? I don't know. What's that offense going to be without Cam Newton? I don't know. What's Teddy Bridgewater going to be now that he's in charge? I don't know. All I know is McCaffrey. If I'm going to pick a division, it feels like the West has a lot fewer questions. Well, and I think it, it has less questions, but I, I it's interesting because we both talked about MVP candidates in the South, and that would make for a really tough division. It's hard to envision that there'd be a division tougher than having two MVP candidates. I guess the deal is it's contingent on that third team, whereas I could see the NFC West really having three playoff teams. I And I, and I, I don't mean to say that some, that doesn't screw someone else and leave someone else that's a good football team out. But like LA, like you're saying, was a Super Bowl contender two years ago. That they just completely fall off and never get back seems odd to me. I think that they could very easily get a wild card type spot. Seattle, if they didn't win the division, could get a wild card type spot. San Francisco, the same thing, obviously. Um, we didn't talk about the North, the AFC North much. That feels that like a really good division, though. That feels like a really good division. 
is that because, again, with that third team, are we thinking Cleveland has to put it together to make that division worth a dang, or what's the deal there? No, to me, it's really Baltimore, Pittsburgh are going to carry it, right? Because Baltimore is so good. And then Pittsburgh's going to have Roethlisberger back and healthy. And when he's healthy, the team tends to win. So it feels like that division's got two AFC top-tier teams in it. Pittsburgh's defense is always going to be stellar. If Cleveland gives you anything then that almost feels like a bonus. And now you're going to say, okay, well, now maybe this division is up there with the NFC West. Cleveland hasn't given us, and I'm going to preface this by saying, I'm actually one of these people who feel like Cleveland gets a little bit, a little bit of a bad rap. What we have to remember is this, this was a team that didn't win any games. So for them to two years, three years after not winning any games, be a team that we have expectations for is incredible because historically that doesn't happen. Detroit, when they didn't win any games a few years back, we were just waiting and praying for Matthew Stafford to be anything, right? Right. And so right. for Cleveland to be at the point where they they look like they could be a, a playoff contender, like that's that's a minor miracle. So if they could give you anything, and I mean, I'm, I'm just going to say it, and I know you don't think that this could happen, but Joe Burrow's going to come in this league, and he ain't going to be a scrub. So now Joe Burrow can do anything with Cincinnati. All of a sudden, you're looking at that division, and you're like, whoa, wait a minute, they've got – a couple of young quarterbacks in there, maybe teams that are on the rise, and they have a traditional power in Pittsburgh. So That that again takes me to the West, though. So when you talk about a young quarterback and a team potential on the rise, I look out West and I see the fourth team is Arizona with Kingsbury and with Kyler and with DeAndre. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, that's the fourth team in that division? Like Those guys ought to have a breakthrough at some point. If that's this year, what, what does that division even look like? That, yeah, that, you that's just, a tough, tough group. You just really cemented that the NFC West is the best division because their fourth best team, you're right, their fourth best team has all the potential in the world to really light some things up. The reality is, I don't know that it's worth even talking about other divisions. Like, we don't see the AFC East or the <laughs> NFC East doing anything. I mean, no. in all seriousness, right? We don't see I, them doing anything, I brought right? that up because you were so quick to poo-poo my fourth to have ABCD when I said the AFC South because Indy got Phillip Rivers. Like, Indy and Phillip Rivers doesn't matter. <laughs> no, it really... <laughs> who else, who else really, would you put in that fourth spot? Like, does no, it... That, you, I you guess know. you got to put somebody, but I mean, maybe it's a... Maybe, that's, maybe that should have been a four-answer question. I don't... Um, the reality... You're right. You have to put somebody, and the reality is, is that the Titans and Texas were both playoff teams and i mean i don't know what either is going to be it feels like what tennessee did last year people are going to obviously key on derrick henry but they always key on derrick henry and then he always gets stronger late in the season so that's the other thing is that tennessee could start three and five and that means nothing because they could finish the year 10 and 6 right because derrick henry gets stronger as the season goes um i am curious what houston is going to be because i i i'm not, it's not that i believe in bill o'brien the gm but bill o'brien the coach gets lumped in with bill o'brien the gm and we think that bill o'brien is just awful because he'll have these moments that are terrible and all he does is he puts his team in the playoffs every year and they've got their quarterback locked up and we know that if that receiving core is healthy it's pretty darn good but we also know that whenever you have to rely on health of people who haven't traditionally been healthy, you know you're putting your eggs in a pretty tough (laughs) basket there. Yeah, I don't see any other team. I mean, teams that I root for, the Jets and Giants, they're in divisions that don't feel like they're necessarily stupid deep, right? But they do feel like they have two teams in each division that folks kind of want to believe in, right? The NFC East, you want to believe in Dallas, you want to believe in Philly. Philly has a Super Bowl ring, so whether you want to believe in them or not, they got the hardware. If you look at the AFC East, you want to believe in New England because they've got as much hardware as anyone you want to believe in buffalo as a former playoff team it's just there's just a lot of questions there's just a lot of questions all over the board right so that's why the nfc west feels so solid because i feel there's a lot less questions like they might cannibalize each other but whoever comes out of the nfc west feels like they're going to compete for the super bowl completely
We're going from the best to the worst. Um, <laughs> who will have the number one pick in the draft? The SAT question. The number one pick in the 2021 draft will be made by A, the Cleveland Browns, B, the Washington football team, C, the Jacksonville Jaguars, D, the Atlanta Falcons, E, someone out. I think it's C, Jacksonville, because I think they're going for it. Um, so I would say C. What do you think? I think that there's a team on here that I mentioned earlier, and we really do have to consider. I don't know what Miami is thinking. Like, I honestly don't know. They could be thinking, hey, listen, we actually, because we drafted Tua, because we knew that Tua wasn't 100% healthy, like, they could feel like, hey, we can tank this year too and be right at the top of next year's draft. And so I just don't know what Miami's thought process is. You know that whoever they put out there is going to try to win. You know that Brian Flores is a good coach because he won games last year with that Miami team that it's like, oh my gosh. And they were putting, they basically had me out there playing. So they didn't have great talent out there. So you know they have a good coach. I'm just curious as to what they're going to do. If I was going to pick from the teams that you listed, Washington is a train wreck. They are a dumpster fire. Everything <laughs> says that the Washington football team is going to be at the top of the draft next year based on what their offseason has been. I don't know if their owner is going to stay. Ron Rivera is the thing that I believe in because he's a good coach. And I just feel bad that he's in this situation. But let me say this. I feel like there's some teams that are missing that need to be considered. I don't know what the Las Vegas Raiders are going to be. I don't know what the Chicago Bears are going to be. Those feel like some teams that abundantly have the chance. And oh, by the way, I recognize I root for the Jets and the Giants. So I don't know <laughs> what they're going to be either. And I'm sure that people have questions about those franchises as well. So I just threw four teams out there that feel like they could be in that other category and all feel like they have as good a shot as any. I don't think Atlanta's going to be bad. So... I'm going to throw that out there. I don't think Atlanta's going to be bad at all. Oh, I just think they're in a division where they could easily lose games because it's a really good division. Uh, kind of similarly, frankly, to like we just kind of wrote off Arizona earlier. Um, I think my deal with Jacksonville is they seem to be shipping out good football players in an effort to like make a run at Trevor Lawrence, which seems silly because they, you know, put whatever money and time into Gardner Minshew. But we've seen, you know, Arizona, we just talked about, did this with Rosen and went into the Kyler Murray sweepstakes very quickly. And so I guess I read it as Jacksonville wants the pick. But a year ago, I would have said, Miami wanted the pick and they ended up winning five or six games, right? And still um, got the guy who they wanted, right? Because it was still got the guy Tua, right? Can I just say this about Jacksonville? We're we're really sure that they're shipping off good players. And <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm just gonna say, like Leonard Fournette. Really? Like, I don't get me wrong. I like I liked Leonard Fournette coming out of LSU. I like Jalen Ramsey coming out of Florida. Like, I got I got to see these guys, right? Because they're SEC guys. I think that Jalen Ramsey is a great player. I think that corners are abundantly reliable on the rest of the defense. Patrick Peterson's incredible. The rest of his defense is terrible. So Patrick Peterson gets beat on stuff, and people look at him, and they say, is he really that good? He's incredible. But they're throwing the ball all the time, <laughs> and there's no yeah, pass rush. Yeah. And, like, I got to – listen, if you want me to cover a dude for three seconds, he'll be locked up. You guys are asking me to cover him for seven. That's impossible. And so I am curious, like, how good Yannick Ngakwe is. We'll find out, I guess, because this gets back to the constant argument that we have about the Houston Texans, right, which is Jadavian Clowney, it doesn't matter that they shipped him off to me. And I think that this offseason has proven that not a lot of people think that Jadavian Clowney is as good as maybe some folks who are on this podcast, not named Shaka Cummings, think that they are. So, like, I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm just curious as to what ends up happening with the Jacksonville. Because maybe Jacksonville looks at those pieces and they know him as well as anyone, and they were willing to let him go. So I don't know.
know if they've shipped off good players or not. I will say that Jacksonville well, feels like they're devoid of talent a little bit. Devoid of talent, and I guess maybe I say good players because they're the names I knew from Jacksonville, and maybe that's maybe that's giving them too much credit. And you know uh, what? You know what? They did win a couple but, years ago too. So right, um, and so maybe that's giving those names too much credit because they were the names I recognized with that Jacksonville team that did win some games a couple years ago. In fact, if they could just score a couple years back, they might have been really, really good. They would have been in the um, Super Bowl if they could really put the ball in the end zone. They would have made a Super yeah. Bowl. I think it's interesting to think that you know Miami could continue this tank for another season because Tua didn't really get a normal offseason and like why rush him out there and why not just accumulate more talent for rookie wage scales things I think the interesting thing to me is that Rosen kind of proved or not Rosen uh, Fitzpatrick kind of proved last year that this team can win four or five games and so like he may go out there and win four or five games and I think the NFL has proved that that's not enough to get the number one pick you got to lose more games than that um, to get the number one overall pick so Miami is interesting to me because they certainly I understand why they would be tanking for not for Trevor but for the Trevor pick and they could ship that out for whatever they want but also they seem to be not quite bad enough to lose every game so there are two questions that I want to ask before we wrap up our NFL SATs. So I'm kind of wanting rapid-fire responses, so I'm going to throw this one at you. Uh, this is our last uh, multiple-choice question, which is, the team most prepared for a COVID outbreak is A, Dallas, B, Chicago, C, Miami, D, Green Bay, E, Other. I'm just curious how you're going to answer that question. I think I'm going to go with Dallas um, because the way I see them – and maybe it's me giving the Red Rifle too much credit as a backup quarterback. They seem to, the positions that they have talent in, they have a lot of talent in. And the positions that they don't have talent in, they seem to be just flatly void. And so it's like if a receiver gets sick, they have other receivers, right? If Dak got sick, Annie Dalton has started a lot of football games. They're not like losing their starting quarterback to just go into the abyss with nobody behind him, right? Defensive line play. They've got a lot of good defensive linemen and, and frankly, a pretty good front seven, relatively speaking. It's the positions they have no one in. They just don't have anyone. <laughs> so I think that that's, that's why I would pick them for that. Because theoretically, if someone gets COVID, they're going to have to quarantine and then you may have to like, you know, have a few negative tests out of other people and you may, that may lead to more quarantine. And so if they have to sit like two receivers, they may still have two pretty good receivers. Or if they have to sit anyway, you know, a couple guys here, they may have the guys that can fill in for them. What would you answer that question with? Yeah, let me just say that I totally look at this question differently than which team is deep enough to have some injuries and manage through those injuries, which is how I think you're looking at it, which is an incredibly intelligent way to look at it. The answer is E, but E is an other. E is none of the above no one's prepared <laughs> no and and here's the thing right yeah, if yeah, you yeah. get a covid breakout you don't know what's going to happen after that like what right. what we can't assume is that this is like any other injury if you get a covid outbreak on your team what happens if you have players who then say you know i'm done like i'm not injured right. i'm just worried that covid's here now and I don't want to play anymore. So I'm taking the rest of this year off until we figure this out. We just don't know how anyone's going to react to it. We don't even know how the league's going to react to it. And so that's why I'm going to say none of the above because I don't think anyone really knows how we react as, as a league or as a team. I picked Dallas and Jerry Jones, if there's COVID in the locker room, you know, because he looks at these players very much like assets. And so if things start happening to his assets, he go, whoa, 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 we're canceling the whole thing. And he, he seems to be a very vocal person on those kind of things. So Yeah, I mean, he, he's, he has to be because Dak might say, I'm not playing anymore. Or Zeke might say, I'm not right. playing anymore. I mean, I get it. 
So the next question I want to throw at you, kind of rapid fire, is an essay question. Let's wrap up our sports SATs with an essay question. What are you going to name your fantasy football team this year? <laughs> I'm just curious. Um, I go with the same name every year. And so my fantasy football team is always named the Harlem Knights, which is a play on a movie that came out in the 90s starring Eddie Murphy, Richard Pryor, uh, Red Fox called Harlem Knights. And so uh, it's about these guys, they own a club and they're criminals and then they con the biggest criminal in town and they're all black criminals. So there's also segregation that's involved. So they're able to con the white criminal. And so I always go Harlem Knights and then my avatar is always a picture of those three guys kind of dressed up in their uh, 20s attire, which is really cool. Uh, My wife is in our league this year and her team name is I Don't Want No Scrubs, and her avatar <laughs> is a TLC album cover, which I think is really cool. I'm just waiting. So for those of you guys who remember kind of the No Scrubs phenomena that I think was the late 90s, there was a response by a group called Sporty Thieves called No Pigeons, and I'm just hoping someone names their team No Pigeons because my wife <laughs> will lose her mind. Um, so do you have a name for your fantasy football team? I don't go – so first of all, I appreciate that we're in the SATs with an essay because I'm in the generation that got guinea pigged and did have to write an essay at the end of the SAT. Um, so – I, I do appreciate that. The the funny thing about my fantasy team is I always base it on a player on my team. So, like, if I have Dak Prescott, I put Dak in a box. Um, <laughs> uh, if I have Christian McCaffrey, it's like run CMC instead of run DMC, right? Okay, like I, I like have, that one, too. I'm trying to think. <laughs> it might not be PG, but... Uh, Hold Maderick with the, uh, with the Marshawn, <laughs> Marshawn Lynch jumping into the end zone for Derrick Henry um, was fun. Kittles and Bits for Kerry Kitt or for George Kittles to Kerry Kittles basketball. Kerry Kittles, Kittles, God, okay. <laughs> um, but I, I try and do some play on those kinds of names. So like, if I get Pat Mahomes, I, my team drafts later this week. Um, so if I get Pat Mahomes, it's like something about you know chilling with Mahomes or something. You know, so there's something fun having to do with the name. Um, I just hope that you've never been in a fantasy football league with. Any of your students where you're like Dak in the box is the name of my team. I lose my mind. <laughs> no, I don't play with students. Uh, that would be a problem. <laughs> Friends, that is another edition of F in Sports. The NFL is coming up on Thursday. We're going to finally get some professional football. I'm looking forward to it. There might even be fans in the stands in some of these places. So it might look a lot more like football than what we were anticipating. So, uh, Parker, I'm sure that you're excited about the NFL season. Basketball's here, baseball, hockey. Everything's going all at once. Give folks your socials so that they know where to get at you with all of this sports action going on. Yeah, and help me keep up with it all. You can find me on Twitter at... Painsworth 512, uh, P-A-I-N-S-W-O-R-T-H 512. That's Twitter and Instagram. Um, I also respond to the FN Sports Twitter page from time to time. You can find me at FN Sports number two, F-I-N-S-P-O-R-T-S, the number two, all one word. Um, and I'll dash with P-A, so you know it's me. Shaka, we use that one, and dash with C-C. And then Shaka, we also have a show on Instagram. Absolutely. You can find us on Instagram at F underscore N underscore sports. You can find my socials at Shaka Cummings at C-H-A-K-A-C-U-M-M-I-N-G-S. That is my Instagram. That is also my Twitter. So you can definitely hit us up there. But please do not hit me up because you lost money on Tis the Law for the Kentucky Derby. Because let me just say, <laughs> you're not the only one. Thanks. Um, that's another edition of F Sports. Thank you guys for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, share, do all those wonderful things that help out the podcast. And please remember, when it comes to sports, don't flunk with us. Later, guys.
Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Start a journey. Not a fad. Kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread Packages. Choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes, heart rate band, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. Join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. All access membership separate. Offer ends January 8th, 2023. Excludes Bike, Bike Plus, and Tread Basics. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.